0: Mike, what are we talking about on today's episode of Moving the Goalposts?
1: Today, we recap Game 1 of the Celtics and Net series and have a discussion about the Patriots roster.
0: And the Bruins are on to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs.
1: It's exciting. Don't Very... forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, and tell a friend. Moving the Goalposts wherever you listen. This is a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records.
0: It is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. (laughs) Allow me to
1: reintroduce myself. My name is O-O-H to the O-V. I
0: used to move snowflakes by the O-Z. What's up, everybody? (laughs) Welcome to Moving the Goalpost, New England's number one sports podcast. My name's Nick Marr, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Masala. Mike, how are you now? I'm doing well, brother. How are you? Not so bad. You can check out our social media profiles on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Nick Mara 94. Mike, where can the listeners reach you?
1: Find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Masala or on Instagram at Mike Masala NFL.
0: Be sure to follow along on social media profiles for moving the goalposts. They can also be found on Twitter and Instagram at moving the posts. Mr. Masala. Yeah, I don't know why when you press record on Zoom now, it has to tell you. <laughs> Like that
1: was I was not ready for that. I was like, is is something is something happening? Is something
0: wrong? It only started last week, and and it was when I was doing the podcast with Nian that I thought it was something he did. Now I guess it's just something that has happened. So and it will say that the meeting is not being recorded once I press stop. So at least this is
1: like people just started using Zoom like in the past week. It's not (laughs) something we've been using full
0: time for a year now. (laughs) Right, it's like secondhand knowledge at this point. You can't start <laughs> changing things at, for us. It's it's not not a good thing. I don't like change, but uh, oh boy, we got a lot to talk about today. Lot lot of stuff going on in the sports world as we were talking right before I hit record. The uh, NFL OTAs are starting today, phase three. So. There's definitely going to be some more NFL news coming out, some some Patriots-related news that we can talk about. Obviously, the Bruins are moving on to the second round, and we'll get into uh, you know talking about that series with Washington. But I think we should start the episode with negativity rather than end the episode with negativity like we normally do. And it's not even like negativity that we end it with. It's just sort of like a dark and depressing time because <laughs> – we have so much fun recording these that I don't ever want to stop.
1: Right. And uh, you know, you might as well get this out of the way so we can, we can have that good time and coast off the rest of the episode. Yeah,
0: exactly. So the Celtics opened up their first round series with the Brooklyn Nets on Saturday, I believe it was right. Yeah. Saturday night was game one and it start look like many of our episodes started off. Great. It was going super well about halfway through And then the Brooklyn Nets decided to show up and they decided they wanted to play basketball. And like you were basically saying to me, that's exactly what this team is going to be for, for Mm -hmm. Brooklyn. It's like when they want to play, the game is over, but I didn't get to watch all of the game. I I saw little bits and pieces here and there. What do you think that the Celtics have a chance to win any games in this series?
1: It, 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 I thought so heading into the series and then this game happened the way in the way that it happened, the first half, the Celtics were fifty shooting fifty-three percent from three. Like you couldn't have asked for a better start from this team. You you shot 53%, you were getting points from everybody, Jason Tatum was looking really solid, Marcus Smart was unconscious. You were up six. <laughs> like everything great was happening for you. The Nets had only made like one or two threes the whole half, like one of thirteen. Everything that could have gone right was going right for the Celtics, and everything that was going wrong for the Nets was going wrong for the Nets. And it was a six-point game. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's when I started to look at it and be like, "Hey, guys, like, I get it. Uh, I, I'm, I like watching uh, the young stars on this team." I like watching Jason Tatum play, but this is a different level of basketball, man. And you're not going to be able to keep up.
0: You know, Robert Williams, I'd say there's another positive. Like he's playing yes. on, he's playing with turf toe. Some gal got turf toe while playing on a basketball court. Um, we need to rename that injury. <laughs> it, it really doesn't have anything to do with this. I think I got turf toe one time. It, it hurts like a motherfucker. I'll tell you that much. It's it's a real pain in the ass, but nine blocks. On turf toe against Mm -hmm. against the Nets. I mean, he Robert Williams. I get why people like him. He's athletic and he plays a role for the Celtics that nobody else can play. Tristan Thompson can't play it. Uh, I don't even know if that corner check guy is still on the team. (laughs) They got rid of Wagner. They got rid of Tice. So. They're they're stretched pretty thin at the big positions, so getting something from Robert Williams was was absolutely necessary if you wanted to be competitive in this game, and and that's what you were. You were competitive, right? Until and they started playing.
1: Exactly. the The good thing about Robert Williams and what I like, I've I've really been a huge fan of him because I I did think he was extremely athletic. He's a raw he was a raw prospect coming out of Texas, I believe.
0: Yeah, I think that it was right. I think it was tech, or like Texas Tech, one of those Texas A yeah, M maybe.
1: One of the Texas schools. Um, but, like, watching him in this game, like, that's what I was watching for in the fourth quarter. I wanted to see, is Robert Williams going to get a triple-double with blocks right yeah. now? Is this going to happen in yeah. a playoff game? Because, like, he, he sets the Celtics franchise record for postseason blocks in a game. Kind of a fake stat because Bill Russell probably had, like, 30, but they weren't recording blocks back then. <laughs> right. Um, and, and the one of the more interesting things to me was there was one possession where they switched – I think Robert Williams to cover Kyrie. I think it was Kyrie. And I was like, you know what? I actually don't feel so bad about that matchup. Because like normally a center like is going to get absolutely dismantled by any point guard.
0: Yeah, especially. Robert like Williams
1: Kyrie. right. A guy with incredible handles, like Kyrie or even Foosh James Harden. I think it was Kyrie. But like in a matchup where a center is that athletic, and I think he got a block on a three on that possession. I was like, you know, yeah. this is this is, this is is what's going to happen. Like, you finally found an athletic center. But, yeah, you could just see the difference between the talent level of the two teams um, and if the Nets are going to all have great games, all three of their stars. And then you see guys like Blake Griffin and DeAndre didn't play, but you have, like, all these random guys who are just also awesome on this team. Right it's a completely different level of basketball. And I I do think the Nets are clearly the best team in in the East and the Sixers might've had a better record, but I think when it comes down to it, I think the the Nets are going to be the team that comes out of it.
0: Yeah. And and like I said, I didn't watch a whole lot of basketball this weekend. Uh, I know the Sixers, they started their series with Washington yesterday, Mm -hmm. um, which I think Washington can, can give them a series as well. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head how that game went, but Brooklyn doesn't really seem to have many holes. That's, yeah. that's the issue. If there's going to be something to get in their way, it's going to be themselves. They will be their own worst enemy. And to be honest with you, now that we've gone through basically an entire season, and I know they haven't played a lot of games together. I think they played less than 10 games. Yeah. Together. They
1: said that during this, this game that it was their, their ninth game all altogether, which I knew that they had all missed time for different reasons separately, but, nine is was shocking to me <laughs> but
0: that Mike that's almost like a good thing and might have been on purpose because they're like look we can't have these guys really playing together because it will go bad and they're like yeah biding their time type thing but yeah there were there were positives to take from the first half of that Celtics game and then it, it's when I was looking at the box score afterwards I saw that Jason Tatum went for like 16 or like 17 points in the first half and then he got like four in the second half finished with 22. It was just the second half. It seemed like Boston couldn't generate much offense. It wasn't just that Brooklyn was taking it to them on the offensive side of the, of the, the court, but they were taking it to them on the defensive side of the court. And this was a team that people thought isn't going to play defense. They're going to try and win games, 145 to 140. And right. a, a fairly low scoring game. I was, as I was driving into the quote unquote studio here now, uh, I heard uh, them saying Brooklyn's not going to play another game for the rest of the series where they don't score 120 points. Like they know they're going to outscore Boston every single game. It's just how much they're going to outscore them by. And I think the the big three for Brooklyn got combined for 82 of their hundred and some odd points. So as much as they have all these ancillary pieces like Jeff Green, like Blake Griffin, like DeAndre Jordan, all those guys that, you don't think about, they're not really doing much of anything. It's, it's, right. It was Kyrie on Saturday night. Now, maybe it'll be a different guy tonight. Maybe it'll be another guy on Friday, or, or I think they play tomorrow night, actually. But, yeah, I mean, I still think the Celtics can maybe pull a game out. I just don't think that the... Uh, it, it's going to be tough for them to push it anything past five Right. And,
1: and like you said, it's if they are able to pull a game, it's not because gonna, gonna be because they were so great. It's gonna be because the Nets were their own their own demise there. Um t- touching on, on Kemba, just just an all around. Like he came yeah. into the game playing everybody they they said it like forty-five times on the on the broadcast. Kemba's playing his best basketball of the season and he goes out and I mean he had ten points in the second half
0: two threes in the, like the last 30 seconds. I can't, I right. can't do the, the th- <laughs> thing where you put your finger in your mouth and it's like, whoo. Right. <laughs> like the most meaningless
1: 15 points maybe in the history of basketball. Like he – that's going to be the contract that haunts them. Yeah. Because you, you, when you were getting Kemba, my fear was not the injury. Because he didn't, it wasn't like really known that it was going to be like this big problem when they when they signed him or signed and traded for him, Mm -hmm. whatever it was. Um, My fear was that he was a guy in the NBA who's never taken his team to the promised land. He's never made it to a Eastern Conference Finals, and at the time there were some stacked teams in the East at different points, but he's he was never able to do that. And now you have the maybe shying away in big moments in the nba level and the injuries where he can't play back to back games it's it's a contract that's going to really hurt them if they can't get
0: off of it which which the back to back game thing i always found to be a little on the overrated side because like the, the nba is known for rest right it's almost like they're they're infamously known for rest how they mm-hmm. they care for some of their players Like In the playoffs, you're not really playing back-to-back, so I don't understand why there's such an emphasis like, oh, he can't play back-to-back during the regular season. You have to pick which game he's going to play against. Is he going to play against the better team and you might lose, or is he going to play against the worst team and you're definitely going to win? There's very few back-to-back games scheduled in the NBA playoffs. If anything, you get like four days in between games times. Yeah, it
1: it won't impact anything in the playoffs, but definitely like when it comes to – them preparing to get seating like if, if Kemba was healthier the season and he was able to play in in some back-to-back games I think that would probably move them up at least a spot like and I don't and, know
0: now and in hindsight is obviously 2020 if we could go back to that offseason where Kyrie Irving leaves and we were in theory like you replace him with Kemba Walker you could have had Terry Rozier I was not on the bandwagon of bringing Rosier back, especially bringing him back at 16 million, 14 million, I think he was making. I, I looked at Terry Rosier the same way that I look at Marcus Smart, which is like he'll play well for you, but then once he's go, like goes cold, he, it's that game seven against Cleveland. It, the game seven against Cleveland stands out where he went like 0 of 12 from three. Right. And it just killed your momentum. He had himself a pretty good year with Charlotte this year. He mm-hmm. had a pretty good year. And, you know, maybe that was the number one decision that you could say the Celtics swung and missed on. It wasn't necessarily bringing Kemba Walker in. It was letting Terry Rozier leave. There's going to be changes in the offside. Here we are with the negativity again. Perfect. I'm so right. Right at the beginning of the episode. I love it. Exactly. There's going to be changes for this team in the offseason. They've talked about roster changes, maybe some shakeup in the front office. I don't even know what they can do, who's available, how they can transform this roster anyway other than via trade. We did mention uh, last week uh, what we could possibly look forward to at the end of the playing game versus Washington. And I said how. Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal interact with one another. those guys love each other. Uh They absolutely love each other, which is great. The problem is Washington may be more of a destination than Boston. And again, it's this like either it's the city or it's the identity of the franchise or it's the management, how they put so much stock into the coach and the players feel as though they're secondary. It, I don't. I don't know how they're gonna fix it though. I have no, no. idea.
1: No, and, and a lot needs to happen. It gets very clear that you are not the top tier, even when you're healthy. Because we saw it this whole season. Like, and, and Kemba may ne- ne- may never be his his level of health. May, may never reach what it was before. He might may never be that perfect point guard again. But like, even even with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, you are not a top two team in the east you're probably not a top three or four team in the east like right you you have to make that change and and like you said there's not really an easy fix there because the way that the nba salary cap works you're gonna have to make a trade to get off that contract and who is looking Mm -hmm. to take on kemba walker i mean
0: i I would the only reason anybody would want to take on a contract like that is because they'd have to get does the nba salary cap have a floor I would imagine they have to. So, if there's a team that is so underspent that they would need to get to the cap floor, right. but who who are they going to give up? That would be worth anything at right, that point. Exactly. Uh, yeah, they're they're in a little bit of a bind. I think that this was a bit of an off season for them, and I I, I know everybody knows that they're going to call COVID and injuries, and I. They leave you speechless sometimes. Uh-huh. They leave you speechless just because it's it there would be a simple fix, but the simple fix is not simple in getting there. It, you just you're a veteran away. You are a veteran alpha dog away. You are a you are a competent Marcus smart for. of the games away from being right back up there with Brooklyn and Philly and the Lakers and all those teams that are going to be competing for a championship this year Uh, real quick because we won't have an opportunity to talk. Well, we'll talk about it after the games are over. But what do you think is going to happen come this weekend when Brooklyn and Kyrie Irving step foot on the parquet floor?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's going to be loud like uh, will the first game will there be full capacity or will it be the I second think, game?
0: I think the first game they're going to be close to full. And then I don't know if there's been confirmation yet from either the leagues or TD Garden that they're going to have 100% capacity, but something tells me that they're going to make it feel like there's 18,000 people in there right. for game 3.
1: Yeah, it's going to be I think it's going to be very very loud obviously Kyrie's going to hear it from everybody and they're they're going to they're going to silence the crowd by the end of the game like <laughs> it it's going to be a whole spectacle it would be very interesting if Kyrie doesn't play like I would be I and and I wouldn't put it past him because like he's up, done it
0: in the past yeah imagine imagine they're up, imagine two they're up yeah they're up 2-0 in the series <laughs> and it's like towards the end of game two he comes up lame or something like that and then he's yeah. like oh, I can't go in Boston when they come they win a game they split and he just goes back to Brooklyn and they win it in game five yeah I would not put it past him but no it it uh if there's anything to look forward to in this series as a Celtics fan, unless you're a, a huge Kyrie Irving defender, which Mike toes the line on, mm-hmm. uh that's what we can look forward to is is just the atmosphere in the TD Garden and booing Kyrie Irving.
1: I I'm just gonna laugh when he hits some ridiculous, like cra- crazy step back after a crossover for like his 35th point of the game. It's going to be awesome.
0: I'll laugh too, but it'll be like a maniacal laugh because I'm a masochist <laughs> and I love pain.
1: Like, I said, like one small tear. just trailing
0: <laughs> Somebody else is coming back to new England. Yeah. Another guy who I've just been a huge fan of for no reason. <laughs> you know what? I was a big fan of his. I, I was kind of a big fan of his when he was here the first time around The only problem was I went to one single uh, training camp practice uh, during that 2009 offseason, and there was a guy on the field wearing a number 16 jersey who they had signed named Andrew Walter. And I was like, that's the guy. He's the next great backup. Yep. And then this undrafted kid out of Michigan State takes the job away from him. (laughs) Brian Hoyer back with the Patriots.
1: Why? backup stories make me laugh i lo- i love how much everybody loves like it's always it's a thing in every city like either the backup's <laughs> the most popular guy in town
0: but but why is he back i know that there's like there's a lot of rumors now circulating around the quarterback position in the patriots locker room but is brian hoyer even a competent quarterback to play in the nfl we saw it for the first time last year what he looks like in a patriots jersey like he can't play Right, it's very surprising that uh, there were
1: like rumors that New England was going to bring him back as like a quarterback coach type thing. He also had an offer from the Jets to, to be their backup, so like there there were different stories out there. My, I, I think this goes one or two, one of two ways. Is one, Cam Newton's not going to make it to training camp, mm. and you have three guys who at least can kind of run the same system, um, maybe a little bit more of the same style of quarterback. You're not drawing up two offenses for one that's for Mac Jones and Jared Stidham and one that's for Cam Newton. You can kind of simplify that all out. That's, that's option one. And then option two is that Jared Stidham has gone and you, you need a guy who can be a veteran backup. Who's been in the system for a few years can, and can help, Maybe he's not doing all of the coaching, but can help with Mac Mac Jones make that transition. And there were some talks this past week of Jared Stidham, uh, the Texans being interested in bringing him in, and they brought in like a third quarterback this offseason this past weekend. So I don't know if that's dead, but those are the two. Those are the two options for me as for why Hoyer is back.
0: Yeah, I mean, and at this time during the offseason, when the rosters are at ninety players, I mean, you're you're carrying. Twice the amount of team that you need right. during the regular I mean, like, they have even two allowed
1: long down. snappers right now. <laughs>
0: yeah, I did see they signed <laughs> another long snapper. Yes. That, that If there's one thing that I love about the NFL offseason, it's at this time they keep you busy. So when I'm writing my sports headlines during the weekend, like I was doing. Uh, something for Cincinnati and they signed like one guy one day and released another guy another day. It's like, well, at least I got something I can report. Right. Like it's nobody, always something happening. Nobody's never, nobody's ever going to hear about these guys ever again. They're not going to like the undrafted long snapper out of East Dakota state. Like, right. Yeah. But <sighs> once again, we're, we are in a situation where we're not hundred percent sure what's going on with the Patriots at quarterback. And, I think we're in at least a better place this year than we were last year, Mm -hmm. you know, because we've seen Cam Newton in the system, quote unquote, we've seen Jarrett Stidham not really take the reins. We've seen Brian Hoyer show his incompetency. Again, lots of negatives that I'm pointing out, but <laughs> it, it is interesting to think that Cam Newton might not make it to training camp because I don't know if they would write out straight out release him and make him a free agent or if they would try and swindle a trade with somebody because if they try and swindle a trade, I mean, I mean, much, much like Kemba Walker in that last discussion, who's trading for Cam Newton? It, well, it, the difference is he doesn't cost $30 million a year, right? Like you're only going to have to bring in about $4 million. I think he would, he would cost you. Right. And, Uh, and
1: the, the, the negative would be, I think he is owed like three or $4 million guaranteed or something like that. So like you would have to pay that.
0: Yeah. You'd have, which is chump change. Like if you're, if you're going to improve your team by, you know, addition by subtraction, that's, that's a cost that you, you'd be willing to take. I mean, you're, you're saving so much money on so many other positions that you can afford to take a hit at quarterback. Right, might not be what you want to do, but you also might want to win every single game that you play, and that's not going to happen either. Would San Francisco entertain Cam Newton?
1: I, I don't think so, man. I, I really do think they have a, a pretty decent – situation right now where you have a veteran guy who you may not fully believe in but is I think most people think he's pretty good um and then you have a, another a backup who is a first round pick th- third overall like he's has the potential to be something in the future I if I were San Francisco I would be interested in Cam Newton just for the fact that I think I think he is more similar to Trey Lance. And I think that maybe that's that's a thing. Like like I just said with the New England, like maybe maybe you simplify it and make it one offense. It, it's tough because they do do a lot of different things in San Francisco. Where they do a lot of rollouts, they do a lot of uh, play action, they do a ton of different things with Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't think it's going to be as big of a difference as it would be from Cam Newton to Mac Jones. But that would be the only reason I would I would see them being interested.
0: I just, I, I continue to hope that the Jimmy Garoppolo storyline doesn't go away because it just, it doesn't seem like it's going to anytime soon. Not that mm-hmm. there's a lot of rumors being talked up about Cam Newton getting traded to San Francisco for Jimmy Garoppolo, but the possibility could be there because of your reasoning. Cam Newton may be a better fit for a system like San Francisco where, things tend to be a little bit more scripted. The reads are a little bit more simplified. It utilizes the running game a little bit more. Uh, and I think Trey Lance would probably learn more from Cam Newton than he would from Jimmy Garoppolo. Right? Maybe not how to throw the ball, but you know <laughs> how to handle yourself in the NFL as a top pick. Right. I just, again, bringing in Brian Hoyer to be the pseudo teacher or quarterback coach and filling in a, a, taking up a roster spot doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's, it seems like you just can't get rid of the past type Mm -hmm. thing. um, Which is fine if you're, trying to continue to be what you were not to the same level as as you were where you're competing for a Super Bowl every single year but being a competent franchise and having a quarterback or an offense that can go out there and you know at the very least not turn the ball over and I think I don't remember in the Kansas City game if there were ter- if Hoyer turned the ball over I know he forgot how many timeouts there were and messed up the clock and all that type of stuff which is just as bad if not worse but right you know i i think as long as the patriots have a quarterback that doesn't make mistakes and that it plays that game management style they can win a lot of games you know they'll they'll win more games than they'll lose because they'll let the other team make the mistake for them um i just what does brian hoyer actually bring like he was revered after that Ram Super Bowl for helping them uh get ready Mike I don't know about you but that Rams offense as explosive as they were Brian Hoyer's not in like an explosive quarterback he was right. simulating Jared Goff who's just got traded as a first overall pick with first round picks hmm for a first round. It's like Jared Goff is not a valued quarterback. Right. So,
1: And, and his, his whole thing was that he was able to watch the all or nothing on Amazon prime or the hard knocks, whatever it was that the Rams were on. And that's how we were, he was able to figure out like, I can do that. Right.
0: <laughs> like, exactly. I,
1: I can learn some terminology by watching a, an Amazon series.
0: <laughs> exactly. I, I think it really just comes down to who Bill trusts. Right. and Bill clearly trusts Hoyer which is mm-hmm. uh, again it's a good thing and and I think it's important to have people on your staff that you can hold accountable and be dependable uh I just Brian Hoyer like we can't do better than Brian Hoyer
1: well and it also could be a thing where we we don't know the contract yet we know it's one year deal but we don't know the money or the guarantees or anything and maybe it's a camp arm like you you had jacob dolegala in here last year and maybe Mm -hmm. it's something like that and they're gonna let him compete and if he beats out one of the quarterbacks great and if he doesn't he gets cut and maybe signs as a coach or something i
0: don't which which greg bedard has said numerous times over the last week he's basically screamed it at the clouds it it doesn't matter who's on your roster at this point in the offseason you've it, it it's they're just camp arms or it's roster fodder or it's right. filling space for another guy or it's just getting them in so that you can, you know, uh, there's a million different reasons why Brian Hoyer is here. But I could also say there could be a million different reasons or a million and one reasons why Brian Hoyer shouldn't be here. Yep. just just my two cents. Um, I've started following the Spike King. Mm, big fan. Never heard of him before. <laughs> like this is, this is a guy who first I, when I first heard the name, I thought it was spiked King, not with a K, but with a T, oh. which <laughs> I can see being a Patriots beat reporter for yeah. sure. The spike that,
1: that falls in line with, with a lot of things in new England.
0: Yeah. But um, yeah, he's, I guess the guy that had the news originally about um, who was it that was getting traded or was, was getting, signed or something he 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 broke a story and then like 40 minutes later adam schefter had it or whatever he,
1: he might have he, had the cam the cam signing that might have been, been
0: yeah that might have been it so he's he's a even though he goes by a would you call that a pen name spike <laughs> king
1: yeah it's like william shakespeare spike king like those let are it, <laughs> the two best pseudonyms
0: <laughs> yeah. so like Because on his Instagram, he says he's a beat reporter. I don't know what the website is or anything like that, but uh, he seems to have good sources and has been credentialed, so to speak, by other people in the media that have information. He put up a post um last week of Hunter Henry and Jarrett Stidham and and called it quarterback one and tight end one. So Hmm. maybe Jarrett Stidham is going to be the starter at the beginning of the year. Uh, He also had a little something on Julio Jones. Yes, sir. (laughs) If the Patriots acquire Julio Jones for Nikhil Harry and a third-round pick...
1: I saw that from Howe, yeah.
0: You left Tom Brady in his final year in New England with Mohamed Sanu, Gunnar Olszewski, Jacoby Myers, a little bit of Julian Edelman, and Nikhil Harry. And you're going to now acquire Julio Jones for Cam Newton, Newton, Mac Mac Jones, Jones, Jared Stidham, Stidham, Brian Hoyer. Yeah, exactly. Mike, I will flip out. I will I will be somewhat happy because I think that Julio Jones is a talented receiver and can probably help the Patriots win games, but I will be furious.
1: That's big, that's big New England coming from you right there. That's a that's a big boss. And you you're going to be mad at acquiring the all-pro talent.
0: <laughs> How frustrating is that though? Because like obviously the quarterback needs players around him. He can't do it all. Russell Wilson has tried to do that for the last five years. That's how it seems like Seattle's tried to win games. It's maybe I can see them saying, well, they they decided to pull the trigger on Julio Jones because it was a good price. Like you didn't have to give up much for him. And even though he's going to cost a lot of money, you've got money to spend. Okay, fine. I get that. It's just the idea of understanding or or looking at the situation that you have with your offense and saying, we need to continue to add, we need to get better and not doing that two years ago and not doing that one year ago. It's like they just punted the seasons away and didn't care. Mm -hmm. Now they care all of a sudden. Now they realize, okay, we had difficulty scoring points consistently last season. We need to get better players. Duh.
1: Right. I think part of it is, is arrogance and Bill Belichick is I can make, I can win with anybody. I can, I can take a sixth round quarterback and make him the greatest of all time. I can take a seventh round quarterback wide receiver and make him a, one of the best in this generation. It's like, this is not going to happen everywhere. And I think, Last season was probably a bit of a realization and maybe a, maybe a bit of a mandate from Robert Kraft. I'm not sure. Uh, that's been suggested a few times this offseason. But you realize last season after you've gone through 20 years of success and you your first year without Tom Brady, you struggled. And you had your first losing season since 2002 or 2000. Uh, 2000. Mm-hmm. Like, you're in a situation where you need to acquire as much talent as possible. They went out there, they spent big money. They paid the top two tight ends this off season. They acquired Matthew Judon on defense. They drafted a quarterback to hopefully be the guy in the future. They're, I think they're starting to realize that, Hey, like I need the help. I all the help I can get, especially when I don't have the quarterback who was able to make the most out of nothing. And maybe that's, maybe that's what he was hoping for that last season, but, the the fact that they didn't change it in in season the last season with Brady I'm talking about yeah maybe the fact that they didn't acquire more like they acquired Mohamed Sanu that last year like that was that was supposed to be the, the and, big move
0: and I do I, I do give them credit as well for Antonio Brown like mm-hmm. you you did try to make your team better by bringing him in and he's just a nutcase so right. it didn't pan out well but no you're you're 100 right you are seeing that there are some deficiencies in some areas and you're just trying to make improvements. Mm -hmm. How old is Julio Jones? I think 30, 31, 32. And he's coming off a season where he played in fewer games. than I think he has in any season before, I think. Yeah, he's,
1: He's been surprisingly healthy in his career because I feel like I've I've heard many times that he's had foot injuries and I'm not sure where that narrative has come from. Right. But this past season was really the only year that he's missed significant time.
0: Yeah. So that was going to be my question. You have an, an aging receiver that now has an injury history. And again, you're not giving up a lot to get him, but he is going to cost a lot of money. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think he's just going to be on the team for one year what would you do do you think that would be a good move let's let's say let's say it's not nikhil harry and third round pick because that's a steal right that's that's literally fevery.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: let's say you actually had to give up a real first round pick and a third round pick would you make that trade
1: right now i don't think i would again just because of the injury and age there like I do like Julio Jones he's been one of my favorite players to watch and I think he's obviously insanely talented and his contract isn't that crazy right now. I think if he gets traded we would pay him 15 this year and then like 11 and a half and 11 and a half the next two years mm-hmm. which isn't isn't insane for what the wide receiver market is these days. But it it would be tough for me to give up a first round pick for a guy who has some question marks coming in. And it's another thing where how many wide receivers that the Patriots have acquired have worked out like veteran wide receivers coming into new England? Like we've seen it once Randy Moss.
0: Yeah. I think that's really it. (laughs) I mean, of that level, that high level definitely hasn't, hasn't panned out.
1: Right. Like we've seen, we've seen guys, especially a lot of them have have come at the end of their career. So maybe that's a, it's tougher to look at that and say, Oh, Reggie Wayne didn't work out. Joey Galloway didn't work out. Uh, I think they had, Tory Holt for like a day yeah and like Chad, Chad Otracinco yeah Chad Otracinco didn't work out it's like all these guys but like I don't know Julio feels like a different level than those guys so hopefully he would be able to understand but remember back to Julio's draft when Bill Belichick said he'd rather have like Greg Baldwin I don't even know the guy's first name it Jonathan wasn't John- Baldwin Jonathan Baldwin then, then Julio I don't even Jones. know who that is I've never <laughs> heard
0: of like I. the only reason I know who, the, who Jonathan Baldwin is is because of that comparison <laughs> right so uh, but I think I, I think that was more Nick Saban chirping and getting into Belichick's ear saying like oh this guy's just as good this guy's because he knew Julio Jones was going to be a top 10 pick Right. He's like, well, if I talk up the other guy, then I don't even know if Jonathan Baldwin played at Alabama. I, like, I did, don't know where he this... played. A, he played at Pittsburgh. He played uh, 33 games in his career, uh,
1: 44 receptions, 607 yards, two touchdowns.
0: This was in the NFL?
1: Uh, yeah, with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, look, <laughs> Bill can't evaluate receivers. We know that. It's obvious. He lets other people do it for him now. And that's probably a good thing. Bringing in Julio Jones, I think it it just makes your offense more dynamic. He, just his size alone gives you Mm -hmm. a target that you can throw a ball and it doesn't have to be perfect. And he can make an adjustment and he can get to it. I mean, that catch against Eric Rowe in the Super Bowl. Nobody else on the planet makes that catch except Julio Jones, my Mm -hmm. opinion. Right. Can he still do that? I mean, that was five, six years ago. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe he's lost a step. Maybe he's not as fast as he was. He was never really a burner, but he's a big guy that's going to catch a lot of balls for you. He's not going to score a lot of touchdowns, which is strange. Mm-hmm. Like I had him for fantasy for like three straight years <laughs> and then I scored like 10 touchdowns over three years. It was not a lot of fun, but he'll go off one game for like Twelve catches, three hundred yards, and two scores. Like right. the guy's just an animal. He's dynamic. So,
1: well, just I imagine would... your passing offense with Julio Jones, Hunter Henry, Johnu Smith, James White, and then throw in Kendrick, Kendrick
0: Bourne, <laughs> Nelson Aguilar. <Adalor, laughs> like General as Chesky. much as
1: I've I've lauded Kendrick Bourne this past week specifically, like you have two. Number three wide receivers, probably like as yeah. your top two guys, and and then Nikhil Harry, which is like a number five wide receiver. So, like I, don't, you need the talent, and obviously Julio Jones is incredible when he's healthy. You, you, you add Julio Jones to this mix, and tell me that Cam Newton's not going to throw every ball at everybody's foot. This could be a great offense again.
0: I think you're close to being right. I <laughs> I still need, would need to see it. Right. It, I, would I still need to believe it. It would have to be
1: I would feel way more confident if it was Mac Jones starting the season
0: yeah, because
1: right. that that is what is still holding me back. But I think that they would have the makings of a great offense and you don't have it for just one year cuz all of those guys are signed for at least two.
0: I, so I, look, I think it's a pipe dream. I don't think he's coming to the Patriots. I he, he'll end up somewhere. I think there's a lot of moves that are going to be happening in the NFL this offseason. And I don't think New England's going to be linked to them other than through rumors. So this something that we talk about today and we'll never, ever talk about again. Speaking of things we'll never talk about, you want some breaking news? Oh no! What do we got? It's it's
1: not like crazy big. We could cut this in it if, if if we don't think it's too crazy. Breaking news: moving the goalposts. Breaking news: breaking news: the main Red Claws are changing their name. Why to the
0: main Celtics? Why? I think that's a terrible move. I I mean it's it makes sense. The Red Claws changing their name. From the Red Claws to the Celtics. i um, Andrew is in here now, so I'm explaining <laughs> to him what happened. Yeah, the main Red Claws are changing their name from the Red Claws to the Celtics. I, it makes sense, or, but I, no. I mean, like that's such a classic name. That's, their... that's the it's the G League team. Yeah, they're going to the Celtics? yeah, they're becoming the main Celtics. It is it is stupid. Only because with right. Yeah, you got to be you be different. Uh, right, listen. like the
1: the main fighting Irish. Like why would
0: main? Yeah, main fighting Irish would have been a good one. <laughs> I, I they still could have kept the red claw. Although the main red claws, isn't their logo a crab? Yeah. <laughs> why wouldn't it be a lobster?
1: Oh, maybe it. Uh, I think I, I'd have to take a uh, closer look at the main red claws. It, it, I think logo. it was a crab. I think I
0: I didn't spend a lot of time watching the main red claws over over the last 26 years of my life, so if if I'm wrong then I'm wrong, but Oh, it
1: is a lobster. I just looked at it. It is a lobster. Okay. All right. So we, we can just cut this entire segment if we no, need to. I like but I, it. I, I I'm think it in. Th- the main shamrocks? Like I th- that would have been a better name. Been good. The, uh, the main
0: uh, the main luck
1: yeah, the ooh. Okay. Okay. Where I, I don't really like the singular names like the heat or the magic or the the, the luck, I'm not really sure about. Mm, okay. um, um let's let's brainstorm here. We got pints, we got a, the main pints. Okay. Okay.
0: Uh the main shallys. Okay.
1: The the main potato famine.
0: The main potato uh, famine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Irish are gonna be uh, mighty upset about this episode.
0: <laughs> Anything would have been better than the Celtics. <laughs> Anything would have been better than the Celtics. I appreciate that breaking news, though.
1: <laughs> I, I had it ready for you. I, knew, a,
0: I know you needed it. It's a good one. Well, we don't talk enough Red Claws here. Oh, we'll we never have, talk Red Claws again. <laughs> I would think we, maybe we should have. We might have an unknown demographic in Maine that just True. is starving for a basketball podcast for their team. <laughs> And now when oh. we say the Celtics, who are we talking about?
1: Right. People are going to be all sorts of confused. This is ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. So like we said, we were going to start with negativity and work our way into positivity. And I think it's fair to get to that point. Now. Let's do it. Uh, the Boston Bruins. Mm-hmm. Familiar. Did what I didn't think they were going to do, which was wrap this series up fairly quickly Mm -hmm. in five games back in Washington, kicked the shit out of the Capitals in the final two games. I think uh, game four was what four to one. And then last night it was three to one, uh, not like blowout losses, but when you're talking about two teams that have played one goal games in the postseason for the last Mm -hmm. 12 consecutive games, it's kind of a blowout when you score by more or when you win by more than one goal. Right. Uh, let's just get right into it. What what are you thinking about the Bruins? I think that they are looking pretty, pretty good. And uh, Mike, I'm kind of hoping that we get the Pittsburgh Penguins in the next round because (laughs) they struggled against the Islanders this year. And this is a team now that if the road kind of opens up, we could be looking at a long postseason run.
1: Yeah, and I think I think you're looking at this season kind of like you did. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, yeah. I think you're you're looking at this season in the complete opposite as the way you looked at in their their run last year when it was just like the everything opened up for them. They they played they played absolutely the easiest path to get there. Sorry, two years ago, um, the absolute oh, yeah, yeah, easiest yeah. path to get there. Um, but then. This year, like, you have some tougher teams in your way. Washington's been – yes, they were injured. There are reports that Oshie was dealing with something this, this, this series, and obviously they're down to their third, fourth goalie at the beginning of the series. You played extremely well. Mm. And what I take away from this is I do think Tuka looked – and I think he looked great the last the last two or three games of the series, especially for the amount of penalty kills this this team had to endure. They were on the they were on the PK every time I looked at the screen. <laughs> I,
0: I think for like half of the first period in game five, they were killing penalties. It's like every right. single time I picked my head up and looked, they were putting somebody else in the box and I mean, going into this series, everyone was saying you cannot take penalties because Washington's power play is dynamic. Like, Mm -hmm. you're okay. Let's take Ovechkin out. You still got to deal with Carlson. You still got to deal with Backstrom. You still got to deal with Kuznetsov once he's ready to go. And and those names never showed up. Like Nick Backstrom is probably the most underrated player in the NHL among like hockey people. What they'll tell you, I didn't hear his name once. I didn't even know if he played like uh-huh. this This and he's not a big guy. So he really needs to play his game to stand out. And his game is usually very similar to creches. So, you know, if, if the guys don't pick up the slack for him on his wings, then he's really not able to accomplish what he needs to. I was a little surprised to see Washington not make any adjustments though. Uh-huh. Like, They flip-flopped the goaltending a little bit. Um, They had pretty much the same roster every single game. Yeah, they were definitely banged up. You could tell they were banged up because at the beginning of the series, they were throwing their body around a lot. Right. And it seemed like they tried to strike first and play a heavy game and and tire the Bruins and get the Bruins a little bit uh, fatigued because it was going to be a long series. I thought this Hmm. series was going to go six or seven.
1: I, yeah, I, mean, it, I think that's we said. We said that last last episode. I mean, look at the compare what we were talking about last week to what we're talking about today. Like last week, it was a question of by the time we talk in seven days, is this team going to be out of it? Is this team? Right. like Is Tuka going to still be on the team? Is Swayman going to get a chance to get into the game? Like the physicality com- completely completely switched. Like and and. What was interesting to me is that Marshawn kind of turned into his old self, yes, a lot in this series, mm-hmm. and he was still able to to keep to keep up his normal pace. Like he wasn't, it didn't slow him down, and and that's what people were talking about in the past was, oh, he needs that edge to to make him the most the best version of himself. And then you saw for basically the last two seasons that he hasn't really shown that. And we're like, oh, maybe, maybe he's fix it and right back into it. I don't know. You can't cost yourself these penalties like the sticks to the face. I mean, three, we did that like two or three times. Like you can't do
0: that. Well, you can't when they call a penalty. (laughs) You can if they don't call a penalty, (laughs) which they didn't the first time. And Boston definitely benefited from some calls and non calls, I think, in this series more than Washington did. But you could also say at the beginning, like the first two games, Washington was getting every single bounce. Like mm-hmm. I can't think of a goal really other than the goal that Shiri scored last night in Game Five that beat Tuca cleanly. They were right. deflections. They were strange bounces. They one were, off of like,
1: Carlos' stick and the one, yeah. the one that dribbled off his chest in the first game. And then see that's the thing with with hockey. This is such a crazy. It, it's so. Nonsensical and physics don't matter Like you see stuff where Like like we talked about that first That goal in that first game Where it hits Tuca in the chest Rolls down Hits off his leg protector And in Yeah And then you see a goal uh, A save last night Where it's off of It's off of Sam Stonov's like, sh- like pocket In the back of his pants Like how How does that stay out Right When stuff like that ha- It's just such a crazy Comparison between Between the way that these These goals happen
0: I actually think that Rask on the, on the goal that they ended up disallowing that they waved off for goalie interference, Interference, which I wasn't paying super close attention at that point, but I think it could have gone either way. I really do. Like they again, benefited from them changing the call on the ice so that Washington would have had to go in and review it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I think they probably would have kept it, but even in in that sequence, I'm pretty sure I saw him on the original shot that went, like, over the net. Like, he moved the puck out with the knob of his stick. Like, it's right. just... I always tell people hockey's a game of mistakes, hockey's a game of inches. Like, a quarter inch this way or that way, the puck is in the net, hits the post, or misses mm-hmm. entirely. There,
1: just- there, was, there was one point last night where the, the net got uplifted uh, behind Samsonov, or behind Tuca, and there was a real chance that that puck would have gone in that net if it wasn't uplifted at that exact second and they didn't show the replay but because they didn't they didn't show the top angle but they showed side angles and I was like you just got real lucky yeah. real quick there that could have that could have really changed the momentum of this game but there was like once you scored a goal or two like the second goal second goal in me for these last two games I think i I felt the game was over both times. Yeah, it, just because that's how well that they were playing. Um, well, I think I think the in, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead.
0: Well, the, the turning point for me was Game Three, that double overtime when Samsonov had the miscommunication with his defenseman, and Craig Smith comes around and just takes the puck off his stick and puts it in the mm-hmm. back of the net. And now Boston's leading the series. It was like you were hand in hand with Boston for the first. 6,800, 180 minutes plus, 200 plus minutes of the series. I mean, it was a one-shot game. I don't think a single team had gotten a two-goal lead at any point in the first Mm -hmm. three games. And then Boston kind of opened things up in game four. And sure, you're coming back home down 3-1, but I think Boston really asserted and dominated in the the final three games of the series. I, I really do. I think... There were moments where they got away from themselves, like maybe at the beginning of the third period last night. But for the most part, they dictated the pace of play and they controlled the pace of play. And it shows in the series why they won in mm-hmm. five games. Like they took advantage of a Washington mistake, a huge blunder, and they continued to roll with it. And credit credit to the Capitals because they started off last night and they brought it like they didn't fold or, or quit or anything like that. You had Chara going after Tenorti, like they tried to increase the physicality and, and kind of make it their game again, but they just ran out of gas. The Russian mm-hmm. gas was on empty. <laughs> it's
1: it will be interesting to look back at this past season and the decision to move on from Chara now that the series is over and you got really solid play out of inexperienced or um, maybe not the not maybe not the best defenseman you got you got solid play around all, all around the, the defensive lineup it's like
0: you didn't miss it him.
1: right exactly like I, I didn't feel that and that was that was a question obviously going into the series is he going to make you pay for for moving on from him and I didn't feel that at all. Like they were in a really good position. And even without Kevin Miller, this past game, you were able to contend. Like you were able to keep a team to only one goal. Like right. it's you, you looked good and you are now ready to go into the second round against either of these two teams. And I, I think it will be close either way. I don't think they're walking out with another five game gentlemen's sweep. Oh yeah. Um, but it, I think it's going to be, it's they have a tough test ahead of them, but I think they're ready for it.
0: I yeah they they're deep. If there's anything that this series proved, it's that you know your top six can go cold and your bottom six can make a play or Because I think it was it was Richie and Coyle that scored in Game One, and mm-hmm. then De, and DeBrusque, and then all of a sudden Marchand got hot, Bergeron got hot, Pasternak got hot, Taylor Hall was doing his thing, and everything just kind of meshed together. And and they're it's funny usually in the playoffs. It's like you have your team, you know what you are. I don't think the Bruins just have their team and know what they are. I think they're getting better. Mm-hmm. I think they're spending more time with each other and they're learning more about each other. And like the most underrated move by far in the trade deadline was acquiring Mike Riley. Because if you had to be playing or Jurho Vakanainen or Jacob Zaboral, then yeah, I think people are going to be saying you shouldn't have moved on from char because the right. left side of your defense was, was lacking, but that Riley acquisition just allows the flexibility for them to move guys in and out of the lineup where, uh, Lausanne like breaks his hand in game one. Okay. We'll put Clifton in Clifton doesn't skip a beat. Kevin Miller gets knocked out in game four. Okay. We'll throw in Nordy. Now we've got two guys on the bottom pairing that we didn't want to play, but they're serviceable enough to, to do what we need them to do. And,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and Boston does a great job in the defensive zone as a team. Like their team defense is phenomenal. Keeping the puck outside the dots and, and kind of making the saves easier for Rask kind of keeping the traffic away, not letting a lot of pucks get into the slot middle of the area and the high scoring areas. You don't need great defenseman to, to play that game you need sturdy defensemen You need defensemen who aren't going to turn the puck over and that's what char was doing like slow to the puck and just he's done he's right. done he do you, has do you think
1: do you think he's actually he's gonna he's gonna walk away
0: um i don't know i i think he should I think at the end, when I was watching post-game coverage last night on NBC or the NBC Sports app, I don't even know if it was USA or anything, which I, I'm i not even going to bring that up, actually.
1: <laughs> I can talk about USA broadcast for a quick second. Okay, How about like, the whole like first period when they didn't do any uh, clock for the penalties like, yeah, at I- all? Like, like I was, I was so mad. I was like, uh, "How how am I supposed to tell when it's gonna happen?"
0: I, I was with uh, my hockey team last night, and one of the kids asked me what I thought of the new NBC score bug, and I was like, "It doesn't work. It's broken. Like right. this is they're mailing it in. They're they're debuting new graphics. They're losing the deal. Like in the final months of their deal with and uh, the NHL, and it doesn't work. This is like proof positive why they just don't give a shit at this point. Right. But
1: like I, I like I liked having shots on there. Like that was, that was nice. I enjoyed that, but uh yeah, you could probably use uh, a little bit of knowledge on when a penalty is, uh, is yes. about to end.
0: That would be yes. nice. <laughs> and it's that's, that's the big one because there was a moment in the game where I'm watching it and Boston's moving the puck around the offensive zone. I'm thinking to myself, well, if Washington seems to really be sitting back and, and almost defending why aren't they attacking And then I count the guys on the screen. I was like, "Oh, they're short-handed. That's why."
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There there was the time when they went four on four in the first period, and I was like. (laughs) <laughs> did they announce that is am i missing something? i was like is it on the bottom part of the screen did they change it up what is it happening was, it
0: was a gentleman's agreement between cassidy and Laviolette. <laughs> they were just gonna play a four-on-four shift against yeah. one another
1: it was they, like like uh what they did with like sean taylor after he passed away when they don't put a guy out on the field like they yeah. did something like that it was for kevin miller that's what was, they were doing yeah, that's what it was
0: <laughs> um but actually just to wrap things up then for the for the series Ending in five and you losing two defensemen. I don't know if anybody's going to come back. I don't think Miller's going to miss an extent. I hope he doesn't miss an extended period of time. I don't know what the status is of Lozon. Like at this point, everybody's injured. That's the whole cliche about Mm -hmm. NHL playoffs. But being able to finish the series, knowing that the team you play next is going to have to play an additional two games, right? Because they've got game five tonight and then game six would be Wednesday so the earliest you would even play next would be a week from now stay fresh
1: and i think wouldn't that monday be a Celtics game so they and it would be a home Celtics game i think
0: yeah maybe so the earliest uh, would be yeah. tuesday unless they open up against pittsburgh cuz they'd be on the road against pittsburgh true. In game 1 true 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 but use this time you can get off your feet for a little bit you can get some rest I think you're going to need it because the next round is going to be tough. It's mm-hmm. it's like I thought Washington was going to be a challenge. Pittsburgh when they get going, you know, they're they're a top-end team and you've struggled against the Islanders all year. So, right. they're certainly not going to be an easy matchup for Boston. I don't even want to get into the other divisions yet. Like Colorado sweeping St. Louis. Oh
1: my god. Colorado
0: is a fucking horse that's all i keep saying they're unbelievable they're so good and then like you're gonna have to deal with tampa and whoever comes out of canada if they let them leave the country (laughs) uh that'll be a difficult winnipeg i think is gonna probably win that one but again you got to get out of your division first so it's going to be either pittsburgh or the islanders but yeah we get to just kind of like enjoy this week
1: Right, we can just watch watch hockey and be like, root for root for the good sport.
0: Yeah, we we positive, smiling.
1: Right, yeah, and we don't even have to think about that other sport that's going on right now. There's just just one. Exactly,
0: and the Red Sox. The Red, yeah, and Red Sox are playing some entertaining baseball. Mm-hmm. Danny Santana, don't know where he came from, but he hit <laughs> a home run in his first two games. Yep, and he hit like three in the minors, so. Mm-hmm. Anything that takes Franchi Cordero out of the lineup. Although I guess he hit a bomb yesterday too. Yeah, so. he did. Oh
1: my god. <laughs> he had an absolute shot. It was upper deck. It was. It was. Oh, oh. too bad. Too bad. That's the only thing he's
0: done this entire season. <laughs> and it was in a loss. So positive, positive yes. vibe. True, true. Positive. Oh, Mike, this is good. I'm glad we did it this way. We, Me we, too. We, we're doing a good job structuring these episodes now. <laughs> Uh but that's that's going to do it for episode 42 43 I'm always one off. <laughs> <laughs> it's right around there though. But uh before we leave Mike is there anything that you're looking forward to this week? Do you uh do you have a final blow?
1: Uh sure. You know, I I started a, a new television program. Okay. Uh it, have you started Invincible yet on Amazon Prime?
0: Didn't we talk about this last week? I don't think so did I I thought I that was I thought this was Was my final blow blow? it might have been yeah I've seen the first two episodes and I've promised people that I will watch the entire series and I was even talking to my cousin about it over the weekend and he said you need like watch it like don't don't even think about like oh I have other things that I've been watching (laughs) he's like finish it
1: just put put all your time and effort well if that was your final bowl last week then I apologize it has been a full week of of (laughs) us watching everything else uh, all these games so I (laughs) I may have forgotten that would be my fault but I started it this past week Uh, I only started I only watched the first episode so far and it looks really really crazy (laughs) wow
0: yeah yeah all right so I read the first there will be a podcast coming out on invincible by the way I'm doing a podcast on it so very excited. If if we finish it at the same time, you got to get on it and perfect. Share your takes. Uh, I read the first volume of the comic book by Robert Kirkman, who's mm-hmm. like he's the guy that did The Walking Dead. So he's got like some good stuff. But this actually came out, I think, before he started The Walking Dead, and it finished way before he finished The Walking Dead. Uh now
1: it, I very much remember this being your final blow yeah. last week because I remember that conversation. Yeah.
0: It is nothing like the first volume, like the ending of the first episode didn't happen in the book. (laughs) Now, there may be like six other volumes that I would have to read, and they're probably moving things around because you got to change things up a little bit. You can't just do the exact same thing. It's too predictable. Mm But
1: (sighs) the jump from that not happening to all of that happening in one episode is
0: like, yeah,
1: I yeah. I was watching it and I was like, you know, the show's interesting. I I don't know if I I don't know if I love it. It's it's an interesting world. I the characters are are, they're there. And then that like last five minutes and I was like, okay, well,
0: (laughs) yeah, I'm
1: I'm ready to watch the rest of it
0: only on a cartoon well, we'll just say that at this point and for anybody else that, that wants to know more about it or hear what our, our thoughts are on the first season uh, stay tuned. That podcast will come out on the complete collection at some point, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a intense. ride. Yes.
1: What, what are you looking forward to?
0: I still have to finish invincible. Cause I didn't watch any <laughs> of it last week, even though I said I was going to, I'm a, I was busy. I sleep. I, my hours are all effed up. Like I wake up at eight 30 on Mondays to do this. And I think that I've got my sleep schedule back to normal. And then I'll go home and take a nap in the middle of the day. And then I'm awake at like three o'clock in the morning and I'm doing other work for other things. And it's, I figure it out though. And now that you're on the invincible train, I I will 100% finish this week. I mean, it's tough. Like you're watching like
1: three hours at least three hours, if you're only watching your own team's games, you're watching at least three hours every night. Right. So like, a, and I've been watching that on top of the Red Sox for some reason. I'm do, trying to do both of those at the same time. Like, you know, we're
0: busy people. All right. It Just does. give us, give us it, some time. It takes, it does. It takes time. If there's anything I learned during the pandemic last year, when we were all in quarantine, it's that there's a lot of great entertainment out there that I've missed out on. And I realize I missed out on it because I didn't have the time.
1: Mm-hmm. You got to
0: make time for this shit.
1: Yeah,
0: you got to you got to schedule time and just be like, nope, I'm watching TV. Right? Hey, <laughs> come out and play. No, I'm watching TV. And
1: don't feel bad about it because you'll enjoy that a hell of a lot more than going in the outside world sometimes.
0: Nick, grandma needs a ride to church. I'm watching TV. <laughs>
1: Mike, grandma needs a ride to the hospital.
0: Yeah. This
1: is, <laughs> call an ambulance. I don't know if you've seen the last episode, but there, there is a service that does that for you if you call 911.
0: This is a sign that says, Watch Modoc.
1: I, I don't know what Modoc is. Modoc
0: is, uh, this is another sign coming up. Modoc is Hulu, on Ooh. Hulu. Okay. okay. Yeah. We can, okay. we can add that one to the list as well. But, so, Mike, what do you got?
1: No, I'll say say I'll add that to to next week.
0: Maybe. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, We'll call it episode 43 because I think it's episode 43. Uh, Very thankful for everybody that's tuning in. As always, we want to make sure that you're sticking around throughout the week, keeping in touch, following along on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Mara 94. Mike, once again, where can the dozens of listeners reach you?
1: All hundreds of them can find me at Mike underscore Masala on Twitter and at Mike Masala NFL on Instagram.
0: Follow the podcast for updates there on Twitter and Instagram at Moving the Posts. Mike, till next time.
1: Later, brother. Peace.
0: I'm going to tell you a story.